Hello, I'm Sarah Kapalak and this is In the News from the Irish Times, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, why are football supporters booing players for taking the knee and will it upset this year's Euros? After two years of complicated qualification rounds and then a year-long pandemic delay, the Euros are finally here. Starting tonight, 24 national teams will play football matches in cities across Europe. Ireland is not one of them. And it's all over in the cruelest fashion. The long, long qualifying campaign for the Republic that began on the rock of Gibraltar hits the rocks in Slovakia. On Tuesday night, Ireland played a friendly match with a scoreless draw against one of the teams that actually did qualify for the tournament, Hungary. Arguably, the most interesting thing about that game actually happened before kickoff. And boos from the Hungarian crowd as the Irish make the anti-racism gesture of taking the knee. Incomprehensible, really. And... uh... It must be damaging for Hungary with the Euros. Speaking after the game, Ireland manager Stephen Kenny said how disappointed he was that his players were booed for taking the knee, an anti-racism gesture that has become widespread in professional sport. Our players wanted to do it. It's important. It's an important uh, stance. I commend them for taking that stance. England's manager, Gareth Southgate, has also spoken out about this after his players, many of whom are black, were booed by a lot of their own fans before a friendly match last week. I think we have got a situation where some people seem to think it's a political stand that they don't agree with. Um, That's not the reason that the players are doing it. We're supporting each other. Conflict between those in favour of taking the knee and those who are opposed to it could become a defining element of this football tournament, dividing fans, teams and players. Ken Early writes about soccer for the Irish Times and he also co-hosts the Second Captains podcast. Ken, life looks a lot different now to how it did five years ago when the Euros were last played. And it's always a joyous occasion when a big football tournament rolls around. But does this year's anticipation feel different in any way to past tournaments? Well, actually, the last one was kind of grim in the in the build-up. The last European Championships was France in 2016, and it was um, the thing about it was this heightened paranoia about a possible attack on the games. If you remember, the Paris attacks had been November 2015. So there was this really militarized atmosphere, security, soldiers everywhere, and... It, it actually wasn't great. So if anything, the, the, the atmosphere leading into this one, in the context of recent European championships, this one, even with political controversy, uh, so far isn't that nasty. One of the main differences at the moment is it's happening in lots of different places. And obviously, we've been, it's been a year in the making. I mean, do you think there's more excitement because of that? Or people are just like, just let's get it done. Let's play it. I think there's a sort of a sense of exhaustion about how much football there there really is. Uh, I mean, I know that people who aren't interested in football probably feel this all the time, but there has been uh, an extraordinary amount of football compressed into uh, the last nine months or so since the sort of resumption. Uh, they most of the leagues sort of played out their season in, in in July when they would usually be on holidays, and then sort of started again immediately, and it's just been go go go. And then suddenly this tournament and everyone is thinking, really, everyone could do a break here. Everybody needs a break. And yet it's a big tournament and 
once it gets going, people are going to get excited. You know, it's, there's nothing to sort of sweep away your kind of moaning and complaining, like watching your national team win a game in a tournament. It just everyone suddenly gets excited, and everyone is swept along by the by the crowd, and uh, and starts to feel good about it. I mean, that's usually how it goes until you get knocked out, and then everyone just forgets about it. So, as we've heard already earlier in the podcast, the taking of the knee is a an element of this year's tournament. Can you just take us back to when taking the knee first started in sport? It was the US, right? But how did it spread across the world? And how did we get to this point where this week we saw Irish players being booed in Budapest for taking the knee? Well, well, it started off with Colin Kaepernick in the United States in, I think, August 2016. You no, know, this country stands for freedom, liberty, justice for all. And it's not happening for all right now. Kaepernick, who was at the time the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, was watching a lot of videos of people being brutalized, black people in the United States being brutalized by the police and murdered. And he eventually decided that he was going to try to make some kind of a statement about this. And the statement that he originally made was simply sitting when the national anthem was played. The national anthem was played at all of these sporting fixtures in the United States. Kaepernick was sitting. Nobody noticed the first couple of times he did it. And then eventually people, hang on, what's this guy? And then, you know, he, he explained, well, I'm, I'm not going to stand while people are being brutalized, while this injustice is happening. I'm not going to stand for that national anthem. And then it was suggested to him by somebody he spoke to, a military veteran, that maybe if he knelt during the anthem, this would seem more respectful. It would sort of head off the, you know, this guy is, is sitting, you know, during our anthem. How, how disrespectful can you be? The actual gesture of kneeling, he considered to be a more respectful, a kind of a more solemn way to sort of register this protest, while at the same time saying, you know, I don't, I'm not disrespecting the way that sitting, you know, could be sitting there chewing gum or whatever. And then this drew a lot of protests from fans in America, you know, fans who didn't like this message. I think it's ridiculous. It just pisses me off. You know, I'm just frustrated by that. I mean, I get it. He gets the right to do what he wants to do and protest it. It still pisses me off. How many times have we called upon our military to protect us or give us our freedoms? And our flag and anthem always have to be respected. Kaepernick effectively got frozen out of the league, but his sort of protest was taken up and carried on by lots of other uh, players, the NFL, the, the Football League actually banned it. They brought in a rule that said you had to stand during the National Anthem because it just became such a, like Trump was there as well, you know, sort of throwing petrol on it at every opportunity saying, oh, you know, uh, these guys are disrespecting the flag, you know, how disrespectful can you be? Just heightening and amplifying and aggravating the whole situation. The NFL said, no, okay, we're, we're bringing in a rule, you have to stand. But then they've since repealed that rule because it's, it's kind of ridiculous to say you have to you know, it's, they, they found they couldn't do it. This situation was going on for years and years. Uh, and then what happened in May last year was the murder of George Floyd. That was on May 25th. And if you remember, there was a week uh, of protests immediately following that. There was, there was huge upheaval all across the United States. And again, Trump threatening to, you know, send in troops and to, to dominate the streets and that scene where he went out to the church and was holding the Bible, you know, all these kinds of... If you can sort of imagine yourself back into that incredibly heightened and sort of crazy time, all of this sort of passion spilling out. Remember, this is after like a, a couple of months of like lockdown, this bizarre sort of halt to everything. And that's when it jumped into European football. The first player to do it quite spontaneously was Marcus Turam, who was the son of Lillian Turam, who was a great player for the French team and also a sort of an advocate for racial justice. His son, Marcus, scored in a game, took a knee after scoring a goal. And then this was sort of imitated. The Liverpool players put out a, 
picture of them all doing you know at their tra- at their training ground or what was it Anfield? I can't remember. And then when they resumed the Premier League, the players were doing it at the start of the game. I, I still remember the first game back when they did this it was a surprise you know people didn't know this was coming and it was really quite a powerful moment and ever since then they've been doing it at the start of every game so that's that's effectively how it's sort of how we got to the point of point where the players are doing it but now we're seeing we're at a point where a lot of these players are being booed for doing this which we saw with Ireland on Tuesday but what has become more usual is uh, English players being booed Premier League players but also the English football team many of the supporters have made it clear at recent games that they do not like their players taking the knee. What is going on there? Well, it's not really surprising that they're doing this. Um, If you think back to December, there was a moment when the British government decided, oh, you know, things are looking good. We can let fans back into stadiums in a sort of small way. Uh, And then at a couple of the grounds where this happened, uh, but mainly at Millwall, Millwall being a sort of team just said that the Thames in London, which has a particular reputation, uh, you know, for being no one likes us, we don't care, being their sort of model, you know, and they have in the past been associated with sort of, you know, hooliganism and sort of sort of far right politics and so on. But at Millwall, they the whole crowd, some two thousand of them or whatever, very deliberately and very angrily booed this gesture, as though they knew, okay, this is coming, and we're all here to do this. And once they go down, they you know absolutely let go of it. And you know what point are they making there? I mean, the point that they say they're making. I mean, obviously, the point looks it's like, well, you're booing people making an anti-racist gesture, which you know, which makes you anti-anti-racist, which you know makes you racist they would say no that's not it at all and what's actually going on here is that this uh, knee protest is uh, a kind of a trojan horse what's behind it uh, what's in the horse is the is the sinister crypto marxist organization black lives matter which actually has a radically transformative agenda for our society first you know the footballers will kneel and then they defund the police and then they abolish the nuclear family and finally, they unravel the entire fabric of Western civilization. And that's why we're against this. We don't want that. And that's, that's, that is, now, there's a point at which that obviously departs from reality, becomes crazy. And I think that's where, that's kind of, there's, there's a tell there. It's like, well, this is the ravings of a conspiracy sort of lunatic. But when I say the ravings of, of, of a kind of a conspiracy theorist, this is also literally what Nigel Farage said last week. The great British public have sussed it. They've woken up to the fact that taking the knee to the Black Lives Matter organization isn't about equality of opportunity, isn't about racial justice. It's about a Marxist organization that wants to defund the police force, that wants to bring down Western capitalism, bring down our whole way of life and replace it with a new communist order. He, he was comparing it to the Russian Revolution. I mean, he was comparing this to, you know, the Bolsheviks. The wonderful new communist state that finished up, of course, being one of the most monstrous the world has ever seen. So that's what they say they're booing. And they would furiously dispute the accusation that, in fact, they're booing this movement for racial equality. They say that's not actually what this is about. The wool's been pulled over your eyes. Is the claim that actually this is just racism, that this is just people in a stadium saying we don't want black players on our team. Is that too simplistic here? I think it actually is too simplistic. I think that what the real problem they have with it is the accusation, because that's what the knee really is. It's like a reproach or accusation or criticism that says your society 
is built on serious injustice that needs to change. And that's what they object to. They say, no, it's not. What are you talking about? This is a lot of nonsense. This is uh, this is Marxist stuff. This is this, this is American stuff that, that has no place here. This shouldn't be being brought in here. This isn't a racist country. What are you talking about? And that's, I think that is really what it is. Now, for, for me, that view, that position is a denial of reality. But that's because I kind of, I also believe that there is racial injustice underlying British society or certainly in the, in the American society you can see it more starkly and that this movement does refer to something real and I don't believe that it is just an attempt to sort of divide people using race what you it's not it's not a surprise to me that a lot of English people react this way because if you look at their if you look at their politics, I mean, the, the, this whole notion of like finger wagging liberals or like international metropolitan elitists wagging their finger at the at the plain folk and telling them that they need to behave better. This is like the, the electoral rocket fuel that has propelled all of the successful political movements in, in the UK in, in the last several years. You know, it's like, it's it's fresh. It's just like, oh, here, this is amazing. This is absolute, like, grist in my mill. Here we go again. Like, I, I can do this with my eyes closed. You know, to, to sort of cast it as this sort of thing. This is against, basically, they're telling you that, you know, you're you're racist. They're telling you you're stupid and, you know, you need to, you know, all this stuff. And we're telling you you're great. Like, you hear England fans who are doing this, say, oh, politics shouldn't be in football. You know, what are they doing in football? But, of course, politics already is in football in so many ways. I mean, not only because it's like, you know, it is kind of the water we roll. So, you know, if, if we're fish, this is our, our water, I guess, in that sense. But it's also in the in the kind of more specific sense of, say, the uh, annual poppy stuff that they do in the, in the UK around Remembrance Day, where all the teams have to wear poppies on their shirts and they've got troops at games. And some stadiums, they really go overboard and they drag out artillery pieces and, you know, it's it's a total you know celebration of britain's military uh, power and you never get any problem with that so it's not politics that they object to but it's politics that that they don't like you know and this is a, this is a form of politics um this is saying you know our society needs to change we you know we need to do better in that in that place and they're saying no we don't you know you need to shut up and that's i think that's really what's going on here what about the what are the football players saying about all of this? I mean, these are their supporters who who walk with them through all their games and support them, but yet they are making it very clear they're not happy with the stance. What do the players think? The thing that I maybe haven't emphasised enough about this is how player driven it has been. From the first players at an English club to sort of do this were, were uh, Jorginho van Allem and, and Virgil van Dijk at Liverpool, who were the ones who got the Liverpool players to do it. It's the players who've done it. So I think that's a, that's another kind of hole, a fairly obvious hole in the arguments of people who are saying, oh, you know, they're right to boo. It's actually the players who are doing this, right? Why are, why are players, you know, as, as distinct from, say, the broadcasters or, you know, the media elites or like some politicians uh, who are trying to, you know, it's, it's actually football players who are doing this. And why are players doing it? I mean, why did Kaepernick start doing it? I guess because he's like... He's a rich guy who's who's well known and so he's been successful and he's sort of looking around the world and thinking, is this all there is or could I do something? You know, he feels uh, not everybody would necessarily do that. People are there are plenty of I'm sure not as reflective people who just be happy to enjoy their success and you know just be the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He obviously thought, no, I want to I want to do something. I want to stand for something. 
stupid. And I think there's lots of players who felt the same way. You could say, well, these these guys are hypocritical. You know, they're all millionaires. And here they are lecturing. You know, like the, the, the Millwall fans, like the Millwall fans who were booing. These are not like the powerful people in, you know, UK society. You know, we're talking about like not not rich working class people. You know, I think there's a bit of negative solidarity as well, like this this sense of, oh, everyone treats us like shit, so, you know, why should you be any different? You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is this is looking for special pleading, and especially when it's a bunch of, like, as they would say, pampered millionaires, you know, who, who are cut off from the real world, they don't know what it's like, and then they're just espousing these fashionable causes, they're hypocrites and, and, all, and all that. So what that argument is doing is basically saying it's not taking the player's stance at face value. It's not believing what they're saying. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not granting them the assumption of good faith. Uh, these players may be millionaires now, but most of them didn't grow up that way. And a lot of them know what they're talking about with this. And you shouldn't just assume, oh, well, you know, they're just, who knows who's in their ear. You know, they've probably got an agent who's telling them this is a good thing. You know, this, this kind of stuff. You, when, when you get to the point of always having to insist your opponents are liars and and hypocrites, you know, or or there's some bad faith reason why they're doing this, refusing to accept they're doing this simply because they want to they want to stand for this point, they want to make this point. Then, you know, I I think it's um, it's revealing. So Ken, even though we've been hearing about this booing from fans, nearly all the games during the last English football season took place behind closed doors with basically no fans there to see them. Did the taking of the knee just become a bit pointless in that context? So it, it did become the case, as this knee protest went on or through, throughout last season, in empty stadiums, that's kind of like, you know, and the referee blows the whistle and then everyone sort of takes the knee for a couple of seconds and then gets up and gets on with the game. And it just sort of, it, it did become ridiculous because it was like, well, like, what is this? It's like a, an aerobics move. It, it, it's it like everyone does a lunge and then gets on with the game. And it's like, why? Well, this is kind of leached of meaning. And that's when you, you've got f- figures like Les Ferdinand at Queen's Park Rangers or Wilfred Zaha at Crystal Palace saying, you know, I think this thing has run its course. Because when they, they sort of started to look at it and go, well, this is obviously just a box ticking exercise. You know, it's like the Premier League or whatever has gone, knee, all right, that's racism taken care of. Now let's get on, you know, let's get on with it. And, and it's not, you know. So, so you had sort of black players beginning to opt out of this and say, no, I don't want to do it because they sort of felt that it was becoming this like uh, a hypocritical or, or a, a gesture, a meaningless gesture. I don't think any of those guys would, been, would have been saying that if players were being booed for doing this all along. So the booing, because the, the booing sort of re-energizes it. The booing sort of makes you go, well, hang on a second. There, is, there actually is a problem. There are people who don't want to hear this message. There are people who are who are trying to drown out the message that there is racial injustice that needs to be addressed. Coming up, how is the taking of the knee going to play out during the Euros? And what does it mean for football going forward? So can the Euros are starting today? Friday. How do you think the taking of the knee by some national teams is going to play out during this tournament? I mean, England's Marcus Rashford and England manager Gareth Southgate have both made it clear that for their team, it's going to continue to happen. But is this a distraction from the actual sporting event? And if it is, is that a bad thing? Well, look, is it a distraction yeah, I mean, it, it is in the sense that, like, it's something which is unrelated to the football, which the players are all having to talk about. And, you know, I saw Jordan Henderson, the England captain, saying, or not the England cap, 
Harry Kane is the captain. Jordan Henderson, one of the main England players, uh, the Liverpool captain, saying, I think the lads are tired talking about it now. You know, which is a... <laughs> Which, the, which I guess they are, because, you know, it's, it's stressful. Like, I mean, for instance, you know, Boris Johnson was being asked about it. Boris Johnson wasn't condemning it. He knows most of these people voted for him. Would you take the knee, Prime Minister? Uh, look, I, what I want to do is no, 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 do this substantial... Is a yes no, uh, well, let me give you my answer. I, 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 I don't believe in, in gestures. I believe in substance. I believe in doing things. You know I mean, he's, he's someone who wants to tell the story of, of we're a great country as well. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be, like, telling people, oh, you know, actually, the empire, you know, we went out and we plundered, uh, you know, everyone's resources and uh, inflicted famines all over the world and, you know, tyrannized half the planet. <laughs> That's When have you heard Boris Johnson talking about that? You know, so it's a bit, I think it's a bit stressful for these players. You know, I, I sometimes wonder about Marcus Rashford in his situation. I mean, did you see Dominic Cummings's uh, hearing, like, a couple of weeks ago before Parliament? And at, at one point, he's talking about, I told the PM not to take on Rashford, not to go to war with Rashford, you know. Uh, and then, you know, he obviously did, and he got sort of sent packing twice. This is to do with sort of school meal stuff. But, like, that sort of stuff is dangerous as well. You know, if you're, if you're Marcus Rashford, imagine, you know, you're known for having taken on the hugely popular Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and embarrassed him twice, right? You know that people are waiting for you to miss a penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, he's on a he's on a high wire, you know, with some of these, with some of these people. You know, I think it's a stressful situation for them. But like, does that mean they're going to stop doing it? I don't think so. I mean, I think they're they're they were antagonized by this booing, and they're like, well, well, you know, we're going to do it. And ultimately, they are the ones who are in control. I mean, the players around the world, they're the ones who decide whether they kneel or not. And we've spoken about the English and the Irish teams doing this, but as far as you're aware, are there any other European teams that are going to take a stance on this? I don't know. I mean, there, there could well be. I mean, you know, it could, it could be the Netherlands. I mean, Van Alden is playing for them. I'm not sure. I mean, the French rugby team certainly didn't do it. French football team might have a slightly different view. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see which teams do it. I would expect probably most most of them probably won't do it because they would sort of see um, the problems that it's caused for. I mean, problems. You know, they would see the kind of controversy of it for England, and they would say, "Well, let's not get involved in that. Let's not do anything that might cause our fans to boo us." Literally, the moment we kick off a game, that may be the thinking. I mean, in in Hungary, the Hungarian team didn't take the knee when Ireland did, but their FA had specifically told them not to do it. They said, you know, they had put out a statement saying, like, "Well, you know, we already have anti-racism programs, and you know." The players were doing this, sort of pointing to the their sleeve and saying, there is respect, you know, we, we also respect this movement, but, you know, we're not allowed to kneel. After Tuesday's friendly between Ireland and Hungary, Chiodosie Ogbene, who this week became the first African-born player to represent Ireland in football, spoke about the disappointment he felt when supporters in the stands started booing before the game. I was obviously disappointed um, because, you know, we all go through different... Yeah, different stories and different histories in, in, in our lives. And this is something that, you know, obviously black people have been fighting for many years and discrimination and racism is, you know, there's no place for it in any sport and, you know, any place. We hope that UEFA, you know, will take, you know, stricter actions and, you know, find a solution. It is a difficult, um, you know, tax because this, is, this has been going on for many years and it won't be, um, we won't find a result or a solution overnight. It will take time to get a result. On Tuesday, we saw this really positive image of young black Irish players making an impact for the national team. But when we return to stadiums later this year, when Irish fans return to stadiums and see their own players taking the knee, 
what's going to happen? Could their reaction force us to ask some difficult questions about ourselves? It could do, but honestly, I'd be surprised. Uh, which is not to say that there aren't plenty of people in Ireland who agree with uh, those booing England fans. I'm sure there are. But I don't. I still don't think that Irish fans would do that. Um, again, you know, it's, it's something that we don't know until we see it. But um, a lot of the times Ireland fans don't really want to act like English fans, which would be doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. You know, we don't want to be like them, therefore... You know, even though we hate this, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Ireland fans would, would boo it. But again, yeah, uh, we haven't seen it happen in the stadium with Irish fans. So maybe that's a disappointment yet to come. So what do you think is going to happen next after the Euros? Fans will probably all be back in stadiums for the next football season. But racial justice obviously won't have been achieved by then. Players could still be taking the knee while fans continue to boo them. Will something have to give? Yeah, I mean, that's. I wish I knew the answer to that question because, you know, uh, on the one hand, the end of the season or the end of the championships would seem to be a kind of a natural punctuation point. Um, but they, we've already had one of those, which was the end of last season, the sort of the, the postponed uh, or the suspended season. Um, and the players continued to do it into the new season. And ultimately, that was up to the players. And I just feel as though the more negative reaction this gets the more determined a lot of the players will be to do it. Although, again, you, I'm sure you'll also find players, you'll also find plenty of players who are like, oh, you know, lads, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? You know, this is gone, this is gone crazy. We, we're not getting anywhere. You know, so that's when it just becomes a big, uh, that's when the, the sort of sides become entrenched and embittered. Uh, and where that's going to end, I don't know. I mean, you could bring in a, a rule against it, but imagine what would happen then. Someone would do it anyway. Someone would do it anyway. And then what are you going to do to that person? Are you going to say, well, you're banned, you're fined, you, we're going to kick someone out for like making a gesture that they say is you know, a protest against racial injustice? <sighs> Difficult situation for any governing body, I, I would say. Thanks very much, Ken. That's it for today. You can keep up to date with all the latest coverage on the Euros from Ken and the rest of our sports team on irishtimes.com. In the news, we'll be back with you next Monday.